Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about devilish dancing and terrifying twists. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of A. Elizabeth Herting and Pierre S. are voice talents Creepy Face and Melissa Medina. Now, get your ticket ready, take your seat in our theater of the minds, and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first story tonight is written by A. Elizabeth Herting and is performed by Creepy Face. In it, we meet a man of enormous appetites named Harold Freeman who rediscovers his love for music and acceptance as a member of Hell's own orchestra. Without further ado, I present to you Blood Waltz. The skeletons were dancing. Their bleached appendages clacked and scraped together in a jumble of ulnas and tibias. They moved gracefully, inasmuch as skeletons could move at all in perfect synchronicity. Harold Freeman stared at them in open-mouthed astonishment, 
a vague recollection of his schoolboy days dancing around the corners of his memory. There are 206 bones in the human body, 270 at birth. That is, until the extra bones fuse into the final number of 206. Harold, write this down, please. Harold had never been much of an academic, but that random fact from Sister Mary Bernard's third-grade science class lingered in his mind as he watched the animated bones glide across the polished floor. This had to be some dark dream, a wispy figment of his excellent dinner come back to torment him. Harold was an elegant man of large appetites, the author of his destiny who believed that moderation was for imbeciles. The way he saw it, you were either a victim or a predator, and Harold had no desire to be someone else's lunch. He dined on the weak of mind, a first-class con man and thief, dealing mainly with the old and infirm. The force of his larger-than-life personality always drew them into his various schemes and elaborate plans. That last old bird had given him $52,000, the entirety of her life savings for his once-in-a-lifetime land deal, before shuffling off this mortal coil. Although... She was helped long to paradise by a healthy regimen of poisoned herbal tea served with tiny little finger sandwiches by none other than Harold himself. No one was ever the wiser. They never were. He had lost count of how many had met a similar fate, preferring not to dwell on the unpleasantness of his chosen occupation. He had a refined palate, voraciously inhaling life's pleasures where and when he found them and needed a healthy income to keep them coming. Food was always the first item on his list, followed by a taste for fine wines. At six foot five and tipping the scales at a hearty 377 pounds, Harold barreled through life, eating up every second he possibly could. He wondered darkly if his skeleton would dance on its own, buried as it was in layers upon layers of Harold, itching to shed him like a fleshy cocoon. He was so engrossed with the skeletal couple that he failed to take in the music that served as the backdrop for their ghoulish swaying. He chastised himself for the oversight. Harold was also quite the connoisseur of music the classical pieces of yore tickling his fancy. He'd played the French horn in his school orchestra and could always pick out its melancholy, haunting sound in any performance. His ears perked up as he closed his eyes, feeling the crust and swell of the music. When he opened them again, he rubbed at his sockets furiously, not wanting to believe what he was seeing was even remotely possible. An entire demented orchestra loomed before him, rotting, decaying corpses with instruments that appeared to be made of bone, muscle, and gore. The conductor was something ripped from the pages of a gothic novel, his left eye dangling down his desiccated face, wild, brittle hair framing the continents that would have been welcome at the very gates of hell. 
over seven feet tall with his tuxedo moldering off of his half-rotted frame. The conductor held a large, razor-sharp femur bone in his right hand while keeping tempo with his left. He was very passionate about the music as pieces of him flew off in every direction, plopping softly onto the floor. Harold knew that he had heard this music before, was trying to identify it as he also gazed in disbelief upon the orchestra. They ranged from skeletal to fresh and every stage in between. The violinists were raw and angrily red, splashes of blood and carnage flying in their wake as they sawed away at the strings of sinew. The flutists were delicate, mummified creatures, which Harold found endlessly amusing, for every flute player he had ever met in his band-playing days was precisely that way in real life. Their brittle fingers worked upon the keys, and he wondered how they could blow so well into their flutes without a lip or nose to be found in the entire section. He noticed that the trumpet players were a thing of macabre beauty, black as pitch. They appeared burned and disfigured. Hunks of charred flesh oozed off of their faces as they played, smoke billowing from red-hot instruments. Harold experienced a moment of ghoulish fancy imagining the entire brass section engulfed in flames. There were many occasions when he'd wished fire and brimstone upon trumpeters, for they were a notoriously arrogant lot. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The rumbling of percussionists briefly caught his attention. A Lovecraftian vision. Enormous slug-like apparitions with countless eyes were gripping their mallets and slimy tentacles, pounding away in a fury. In between movements, they would reach out in their horrific grasp and snatch away pieces from the half-decayed woodwind players seated directly in front of them. Harold watched in disgust as one of the supernatural slugs gobbled down a mangled ear, slurping and smacking away in gruesome ecstasy without ever missing a beat. The skeletons doubled back again, surprisingly nimble on fossilized feet as the waltz played on and on behind them. Harold had a moment of clarity, finally placing the name of the piece. Of course, it was the Wiener Blut, the Viennese Blood Waltz by Johann Strauss II. We played this many times in my orchestra. I should have recognized it immediately. 
In a display of pure fancy, Harold closed his eyes and began to move along with the hypnotic music. For such a portly man, he was incredibly light on his feet, twirling around the floor amongst the ghastly ensemble. The waltz moved along to its stirring conclusion, a timpani drum roll with the entire brass section that Harold was itching to play again. He hadn't touched the French horn in years, but somehow he knew that he could do it, picking right up where he left off. Faster and faster, he spun, one, two, three, waltzing his imaginary partner around the floor as the skeleton struggled to keep pace with him. He was free, filled with glorious abandon as the music carried him along. As the very last notes washed over him, Harold paused and noted an empty chair in the brass section, exactly where he used to sit all those years ago. An enormous, blood-red French horn sat on the chair, glistening in bits of gore and huge wriggling worms. One of the tiny creatures managed to extricate itself and began climbing up the player's leg in the next chair. Harold took in that his fellow horn player appeared to be half-skeletonized already, the worms doing their work all too well. Pieces of flesh still lingered upon him or her. Harold had no idea, except for a complete scent of pulsating lungs that inflated and deflated like a balloon. It finished the final movement and gently placed the bell down on its non-existent lap turning to Harold expectantly. He could hear the last notes of the piece still floating through the air, the hellish orchestra observing him, awaiting his reaction. The skeleton dancer stopped moving and stood completely still in anticipation. Harold began to applaud. Always one to give credit where credit is due, even in the most distressing of situations. At first, tentatively, and then with gusto. He cheered their efforts, for it truly was a masterful performance. The conductor turned and took a final bow, his red eyes piercing Harold with malevolence. Bravo! Bravo! He said over and over as they basked in his admiration. The conductor stepped down off the dais and came face to face with him close enough for Harold to detect an earthy, rotten smell with just a faint hint of sulfur. Harold could see, hidden in his unruly thatch of hair, something he hadn't noticed before. Suddenly, everything clicked into place as he finally identified the knotted horns on the conductor's horrific head. Harold had a sudden vision of a restaurant. An entire Chateaubriand all to himself, with an impeccable bottle of full-bodied 1985 Médoc Rouge. He raised a toast high into the air to celebrate the death of his latest mark, followed by sudden eye-watering chest pain. After that, everything was a blur. Or was it? Harold quickly took stock of his life and knew that his prospects at the moment were greatly diminished, to say the very least. 
he had only the briefest of moments to ponder his many sins, before the conductor lashed out with his femur shiv and sliced cleanly through Harold's windpipe before raising the bloody bone high into the air. Hell's orchestra rushed forward and slowly began to tear Harold apart. It took them quite an age, for there was a lot of Harold to digest. They fell upon him in waves, feeding by each instrumental section, until the entirety of the ballroom was covered in blood and discarded awful. The flutes and oboes each daintily gnawed upon a limb, tearing them down to the bone quite nicely in seconds as the bassoonists and trombones started in on Harold's ponderous stomach. The string section went in to liberate his well-worn liver, while the slimy percussionists looped his large intestines around and around their hideous forms like shiny pink coats. The remainder of the string and brass sections fought over the scraps, and Harold thought it only appropriate since they were constantly jockeying for position within any ensemble. Their grim task nearly at an end, the worms were unleashed to do their duty as they pruned Harold's considerable form down to the bone, leaving only his lungs untouched and in their proper place. He was grateful that he had never smoked a day in his life, for his lungs appeared pink and full, ready to play for eternity. The orchestra moved back into position as the skeleton dancers considered this updated version of Harold, unencumbered by gobs and gobs of extra flesh. They held up their hands to him as he rose from the floor, reborn into his true self at long last. He carefully made his way over to his new chair on bony feet, swaying wildly as he found his balance. He joined the dancers as they moved across the floor and back to their starting point. Harold picked up his new French horn, the worms falling to the ground as he lifted it to his freshly made skull and got into ready position. The conductor tapped his grisly baton onto his music stand, then raised it high into the air, signaling that they were ready to begin once again. They would play the Blood Waltz. The creature that had once been Harold Freeman knew that it would always be the Blood Waltz. On and on in an eternal loop, as the orchestra played and the skeletons danced around them. As he took his rightful spot in the ensemble and began to play, Harold could feel the first pangs of a gnawing, insatiable hunger as Hell's orchestra anxiously awaited its next inductee. Harold might not dine well this night, but he knew that he would never dine alone again. I hope you enjoyed Blood Waltz, as written by A. Elizabeth Herting and voiced by Creepy Face. Author A. Elizabeth Herting's work can be found on Amazon under her name. Herting is spelled H-E-R-T-I-N-G. Our second tale of the evening is written by Pierre S. 
and is performed by Creepyface and Melissa Medina. In it, we take a front row seat to a nightmare of true events foreseen in a different reality with a twist. Now, without further ado, I present to you 25 to Life. My body is in shock, and my heartbeat is racing. My hands are sweating, and my body feels numb. Voices are fading, and my eyesight is blurring. My body feels faint and lifeless, and it drops to the ground with a thud. In and out of consciousness, I hear sirens, and then tranquility. My world goes blank, and when I open my eyes, I feel that I am in a strange place. My body is chill as I grab the blanket next to me. This room that I am in is not even a room. Darkness shines on me in this cold room. After I gather some strength, I stand up to get a better feel of where I am. I touch the grimy walls and feel the cold, hard concrete. And in front of me, I see thick, solid, horizontal steel bars. I begin to shiver and crawl into my single mattress bed and pull my blanket over me as I curl into a ball. I think to myself about what I had done, where I am now, and why I feel lifeless. As I lay in my bed, I could hear the sound of a baseball bat dragging against the bars, making a clanging sound and listening to footsteps approaching. I see a tall, well-built guard with a baton in his left hand and a tray with water and food in his right. The guard slides the food in the opening and walks away. I gaze at the tray and see darkened white toast with a spread of butter and a glass of water. Desperate and full of hunger, I plunge off my bed and grab the tray and place it on my bed. The toast was dry, with little help from the spread of butter was washed down with warm water that I was given. I then got up and placed the tray where the guard had left it. I then retreat to my bed in my darkened cell and ponder, what have I done? Why am I here? Why can I not remember? The guard comes back, grabs the tray, and demands that I undress, and when he comes back, I will receive a shower. I begin to undress my orange prison clothing and place it on my bed. As I stand there, naked, facing the wall, I begin to hear footsteps approaching. I could listen to the guard unraveling a hose to the left of my cell and hear him turn on the nozzle. The guard comes back to my cell and instructs me to stand still on the opposite side of my bed. The guard then begins to spray me with cold water that feels sharp like being stabbed by water. After the guard was done, he put the hose back, threw in the towel, and walked away. After drying, yet still shivering, I jump back into bed in my cold cell and pull my blanket over. I begin to wonder why my life hit rock bottom. Why am I locked in a cage? How did I go from eating lavish cuisines to eating dry toast. 
What could I have possibly done to receive such treatment? Each day became a ritual, and the days seemed long. Besides the guards' periodic meetings with me, there was no sound to be heard. I lay in my room, all to myself, quiet, afraid, and numb. Days turned into months, and by that time, my mind went from non-stop thoughts to silence. I hear the guard approaching, and he directs me to kneel on the floor. He places his key into the lock, and I hear a click. He then enters my cell and instructs me to put my hands behind my back. I then feel cold steel brace my wrists as he locks cuffs on and requests that I stand up. I was told that I would be moving to the main cell, based on good behavior. The guard then places shackles around my ankles and pushes me to move forward. As I begin to exit my cell, I notice the lights in the narrow hallway are flickering. I am finally leaving my soundless, darkened cell and into the light. We enter the main cell where all the inmates are staying. I begin to see inmates dressed in orange, chattering amongst themselves from cell to cell. I begin to miss the 8x8 cell that I had so longed to be free from. The noises were deafening, and the lights were blinding. I begin to feel anxious and phobic about my new surroundings. The guard opens the cell door and points to the bottom bunk with a buff inmate resting quietly on the top bunk. After the guard leaves, I use the toilet a corner of our cell and then lay on my new yet old bed. My mind has woken up again with questions that I had not heard for a while. What did I do to deserve this life? Did I snap under pressure? Did I let my mind take control of my disturbing thoughts? Where is my family? Where are my friends for support? I heard a thud as my cellmate jumped off his bunk, grabbed me by the neck and dragged me to the wall and told me to shut up and keep quiet. I nodded as he slowly released his squeeze and let me go. As I gasped for air, I realized that I was talking to myself and not in my mind. Shaken up, I return to my bed and lie there in complete silence. As night came around and the lights were turned off, my mind was at its last straw. And I thought this was it, and that I could not deal with this life anymore. Thinking that my cellmate was sound asleep, I pulled my pillow from behind my head and pressed it onto my face. I used both hands to try to suffocate myself while at the same time gasping for air. I had thought this was it. My time is done. Until I feel the hands of my cellmate grab the pillow from my grasp and toss it on the floor. He made it clear that I would not be able to take the easy way out on his watch. As he returns to his bed, I begin to stare at the wall in disbelief at what I had done. Morning has come, and the lights switch back on. Cells are unlocked, and we are instructed to go to the chow hall for breakfast. 
I am restless from the night I had just endured and dragged myself through the halls to have my first meal with inmates. I saw that most tables were filled with their groups, and I sensed that all eyes were on my every move. I waited in line to grab my food but was shoved along in the process. I felt I was not accepted in this crowd of criminals. After grabbing my grub, I looked around to see a table where I could sit. There was a table at the back corner of the chow hall, with a single seat. I approached the table, sat down, and began to eat. I began to hear many footsteps approaching, and as I lift my head, I see a mob of KKK members approaching me. I could see various swastika tattoos on each of the members surrounding me. It appears that their leader wanted me to join their clan. I shook my head, refusing their acceptance and attempting to return to eat. I felt my tray move away from me as the leader had grabbed it, and then I felt the tray smash against my head, and my face was pressed on the table. The room suddenly is quiet, and as I look around, all eyes are on me. The members spat on me and walked away. The guard grabbed me and sent me to my cell, at which I was alone. All the other inmates had not returned yet. I thought that I could not handle this and gazed at my bunk and my cellmate's bunks and saw the sheets. I ripped both bed sheets off of the beds and tied them together to make a noose. I tied the noose to the ceiling metal light and climbed to the top bunk. I could hear the inmates walking back to their cells and thought this was my only chance. I tightened the noose around my neck tightly and dropped my body off the top bunk. I began to choke as my legs were scrambling. I was starting to lose consciousness until I felt hands grab onto my waist and hoist my body up as the guards cut my noose. While gasping for breath, the guard got a hold of my lifeless body and brought me back to solitary confinement and back to my 8x8 cell. Back to where it all started. I lay on my bed with my thoughts and disbelief at my failed attempt at suicide. As time went by, and I spent my time in complete silence, something clicked in my mind. Instead of feeling complete hopelessness, I felt the urgency to strengthen my mind and my body. The next day I began to meditate, and afterward do push-ups. This continued for a month and clarity became more assertive with my purpose. Footsteps arrive at my cell, and the guard responds to me, with my good behavior, I will be transported back to my cell. When I returned, I kept quiet and laid on my bottom bunk. In the morning before heading to the chow hall, I started to meditate. After my meditation, I had a word with my cellmate and he stated that I am in the clear with the inmates, as they have seen that I am my own worst enemy, and that my harm done by them will have no effect on me. When going to the chow hall, I noticed that eyes were no longer glaring at me, and there was no bodily contact while waiting in line. This time, searching for a table was more difficult as all tables were taken. As I was looking around, I noticed the leader of the Chinese gang pushed out a chair and invited me to sit down. 
out of all the groups. In my mind, I knew that this was who I wanted to be associated with, with no knowledge of why. We got to talking, and they had asked why I was here. I told them that to this day, my mind is blank on what I had to do to end up here. The leader said to me that as long as I do not cause any trouble, I am welcome with them. In return, I will be granted protection. I accepted the offer and had a question to ask for my quest for mental wellness. I asked if one could teach me the Buddha teachings and teach me how to meditate their way. This was agreeable. Twenty-five months later, since the arrival to this hell hole, I have become mentally and physically strong, and I am in a better mindset. While lying on my bunk bed, I hear ringing in my ears. Then I hear a distant voice. When I count from five to zero, you will wake up. Five, four, three, two... One. Zero. Now awake. I open my eyes to find myself sitting in my psychologist's office and lying down on her couch. I realized this was all in my mind while under hypnosis. My psychologist replies. Okay, I will see you next week at the same day and time to discuss everything you brought up today regarding anxiety, phobia, overwhelming thoughts, bullying, confidence, and uh, suicide. I hope you enjoyed 25 to Life, as written by Pierre S. and voiced by Creepyface and Melissa Medina. You can hear more from Creepyface right here on our very own network, as well as on his YouTube channel called by the same name. He has worked so very hard making a career out of voice acting and his love of horror. And with his talent, we just had to have him on our team. I implore you to please check him out. Help us welcome our newest chilling family member, Creepyface. Voice actress Melissa Medina's work can be found on the official Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, as well as on her website, hearmelissa.com. That's H-E-A-R-M-E-L-I-S-S-A dot com. Be sure you let them know you heard them here. You won't be sorry that you did. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go... I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us tonight. Wish you a spooky new year. And remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us, please, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener.
sweet dreams. <laughs> Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.